I realized that while I was writing all of these things down that I was feeling, I felt guilty for feeling the way I was because I thought it was wrong. Hello, welcome to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney. Anna Brown is back to give us her special topic episode based on her infamous Confessions of a Special Needs Mama that she posts on Instagram. There's a link in the show notes if you want to follow her, and you should do it. I'll be honest, I adore Anna, and I adore this episode. But before we jump in, we do have a brand new question of the month. It is... In what ways has your relationship with your child's father or mother, if you're one of our awesome dad listeners, evolved because of your child? One more time. In what ways has your relationship with your child's father evolved because of your child? As always, you can answer this month's question as well as read through answers from last month's question about siblings on the website, therarelifepodcast.com. Or by following me on Instagram, where I give you a chance to answer it in my stories. There's a link for both of those in the show notes as well. Also, happy Mother's Day to all our mama listeners. Our motherhood looks different than most of our peers, but it is just as valid and just as beautiful. This episode is a tribute of sorts to that different motherhood that so many don't understand. And I hope that you feel deep in your bones that there are people in your corner that get it. To Anna's devoted followers listening in, an extra special welcome. I'm definitely in that circle. I love Anna's confessions for their realness and relatability, and I am so excited to jump into this episode so we can dig in to three of her and your favorites. They are, I am not stronger than you, what happens when it stops being cute, and I wish your pity were replaced with empathy. The stuff we talk about in this episode is counterintuitive to many people outside of our world of medically complex and special needs parenting. So this would be a cool one to share with your friends and family as a way of spreading awareness of the most helpful ways to support us and things that are not so helpful. All right, let's jump in. Hi, Anna. Welcome back. So excited to be back. So I'm really excited about this episode being all about your confessions of a special needs mama series that you have on your Instagram because they're amazing and you have quite the reputation for it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Good reputation because wow. (laughs) Of course, of course. Before we jump into the three that we're going to chat about, I would love to hear kind of your backstory of how you came up with the idea. I did a little bit of research on your Instagram. They started back in April of last Mm -hmm. year. So we're coming so up on you a stalked year. me then. Oh, yeah. I made your stalking for this. <laughs> research, right? Yes, <laughs> research. Research. <laughs> and so that adds yeah. up to 24 confessions that you have written about in your Instagram. So, again, I would love to hear what inspired you to start that. Yeah. So whenever I was going through the thick of things with Emory, writing has always kind of been my outlet. And I started 
writing down in my journal, just all the things I was feeling and all the things that we were going through. And during that time, I found an Instagram account called the perfect mom. And she started writing confessions of the perfect mom. Hmm. And in those confessions, it was just this real raw confessions of being a mom, just, Mm -hmm. just being a mom. And in that, I just saw something so different because most people don't share that. Most people don't share the struggles. Um, Mm -hmm. They want to brush over it and go straight to all the positives and how motherhood is beautiful and filled with rainbows and you will just (laughs) absolutely love every aspect of it. And then you get to motherhood and you're like, I'm doing something wrong. Um, So in seeing how being vulnerable was helping so many people with her, I realized that while I was writing all of these things down that I was feeling, I felt guilty for feeling the way I was because I thought it was wrong. I thought I was handling something wrong, but in going through things like that, I realized I wasn't wrong. I was human. And I realized again that other mamas that have medically complex children are feeling the exact same things Mm -hmm. in finding that community and seeing things that people were sharing that they were struggling with. I was like, wow, I'm going through the exact same thing. I feel the same way. And yet there's this, this sadness and guilt surrounding what I'm feeling. Yeah. That was one thing that baffled me was reading your post and be like, oh my gosh, I, some of them, I didn't even realize I was feeling that way until I read this and like, yes, that is totally how I feel. Then going through the comments is so fun because yes. person after person after person was saying like a hundred percent, that's exactly how I feel. Like, obviously I was not the only one. Each of them were resonating so much with, yeah. and I think that's the power of that kind of vulnerability of opening up about the struggles you're having and the way you write them, because let's be honest, you're a really good writer. <laughs> oh, so, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, ah, oh, there's something so healing to feeling like kind of that shame about these emotions or these thoughts that we have, and then seeing not only you confessing to them, but then all these other parents saying, me too, yes. me too, me too. Absolutely. It's so powerful. So I originally started them to show other mamas that it was okay to feel the way they were feeling because I went for so long thinking I was wrong for feeling that way. And I didn't want other people to go through that and feel the same way. Yeah. So I not only started writing them for that perspective, I started writing them because it's what I was feeling at the time Mm -hmm. and writing them down and just putting it out into the world that this is how I was feeling was actually pretty freeing. Um, So the confessions are things that I'm going through in real time and processing through Mm. in real time. And in doing that, not only am I processing through it myself, but other people are also saying that they're processing through the same thing. And it just Mm -hmm. creates this giant 
community that we're processing through the same exact hard life stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I love that. So again, I'm so thrilled that you were willing to come on, even with everything going on in your crazy life right now with moving and oh you mean like giant like (laughs) picking everything up and moving to a different house and everything being in boxes yeah no we're we're doing just fine everything's fine you're amazing (laughs) there's nothing right yes um awesome well I would love to jump into them so I have written down in our notes um the first confession of I am not stronger than you and I love this one Ooh, and I love what you wrote. So yes. let's chat about that one. Let's unpack that one. <laughs> okay. So over and over, like if I had a dollar for every, not even a dollar, a nickel for every time somebody <laughs> had told me I, I couldn't do what you do or you are just so strong. I, I can't believe you can do all that you can do. I could never handle as much as you. I would be so rich. That'd be pretty cool. But um, (laughs) too bad, huh? (laughs) Yeah, too bad. Anyways, every time I heard it, I was just thinking, I'm not strong. I'm not like, I'm not Mm. superhuman. I don't have this greater capacity to handle life than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And there are days that I just want to wave a white flag and say, Mm. I'm done. Just take me. I'm done. Just let me Mm. be right here in this bed. And I don't want to do it anymore. And there were so many times that I would hear that, oh, you're so strong. And I would be so broken inside because of what was going on Mm -hmm. in my life at the time. Yeah. And it made me feel like, man, am I just like, do people see me as this superhuman that can just do whatever and be mm-hmm. totally fine? Because that is not what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't make me feel good. So yeah, I decided to write about it. And in writing about it, it was something that everybody had heard and everybody yeah. was like, yep. <laughs> this is exactly how I feel about this. And um, I just wanted people to know we are human. It's mm-hmm. not that we are just super strong and super human and we can do whatever we want. It's that we don't have a choice. We yeah. show up every day because we have to. Mm-hmm. just like everybody else. Yeah. And we struggle, we have weaknesses, we have flaws, and we work through them just like everybody. So I'm just human. I'm not mm-hmm. superhuman. I'm just human. And I wanted people to know that. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I have kind of a complicated relationship with this one because I, I have memories of this uh, conversation I have with this friend. We were walking mm-hmm. in a cemetery it wasn't like creep or anything. We were going for a walk with our kids. <laughs> it was daytime. <laughs> I know. Then she killed me. Yes. Uh, I was telling her, I think it was, I don't even remember what. The most recent craziness that was going on right then, how hard it was. 
Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she was like, you are so strong. And I, she meant it. Like I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, it's a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. But I felt so yucky inside when she yeah. said that. And I was really processing that later. I was like, why did that feel terrible for her to mm-hmm. tell me something that is so nice? Right. And I actually ended up texting her. I'm one of those people who like, I can't like, there are non-confrontational people. I am confrontational. I was like, so you're not like- Elsa. You can't let it go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got to talk about it. Yes. And I was like, yeah, when you said that, I actually really didn't like it because I don't feel strong at all. I feel like I'm I'm being pummeled right now. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a bloody pulp. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially at that time, I, I really didn't feel I felt so weak. Yeah, because everything was just too much. It was all too, too much. And it just felt very dissonant with me. I was like, I'm not strong. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, that makes sense that you wouldn't be. I don't know if it really made sense. Or she probably was like, why are you? <laughs> right. But yeah. to me, to hear that was so far from what I felt. But mm-hmm. then now I feel like since I've had some distance from, especially that first year and a half was really, really rough. And then now things have kind of leveled out a bit. And I just am mm-hmm. more used to it, I guess. Yeah. I feel strong. It's mostly the things that are far behind. I have perspective. Yeah. And I can remember things. I'm like, man, I got through that. Like, I'm pretty strong. Yeah. And then something new will happen. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not strong at all. Like, this is so hard. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I have kind of like this interesting like back and forth thing with the whole the strength thing. I don't know. So I think that the initial reaction to someone saying that you're strong is we think in our heads that it means that we don't struggle, mm. which is completely not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be strong and be weak you can be strong and struggle every single day. Um, I think when people say this, that a lot of times it feels like it's kind of overriding or minimizing the struggle that we're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, In reality, being strong does not mean that you don't struggle. So yes, we are absolutely strong in every sense of the word, However, we struggle. And I think acknowledging that we do struggle and acknowledging that we are not superhuman is something that we need. The thing that gets me the most Mm -hmm. is I couldn't do what you do. Yeah. Because that puts us on a pedestal that is simply untrue. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You can do what I do because Mm -hmm. you have no other choice. And so I think in the context that whenever people say it in like that, it is minimizing our struggle. And that's what feels like the yucky part, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost like, well, of course you can handle this because you are this amazing special needs mom and you're equipped for this. Mm -hmm. And And you don't struggle and this, you've got this and, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't do it. So you can do it. And that that's yeah. where it kind of has that disconnect. And it probably is even a form of toxic positivity. I know we talked a lot about that in our last episode, but mm-hmm. it's a response that makes the person feel better to be able to say it like, oh, but you're so strong. It's almost like reassuring to themselves like, well, you yes. can handle this. Absolutely. Um, it's one of those things that people absolutely have no malice in saying but it can come across and even I feel myself saying that like I'll be hearing people talk about their own struggles with their child and Mm -hmm. I feel myself wanting to say you're so strong because there is kind of this awe when you hear 
what people go through. Mm -hmm. I think there's a way to say it as far as I could say, Madeline, you really are strong. I know that you struggle. I know that you have so many things that are hard, but you are so strong for going through those struggles and coming out on the other side. Mm. That's different than saying, I could never do what you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally different, totally different yeah. context. And I think that's where we really need to shift our conversation. And we really yeah. need to think about how we're saying things. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, that felt good, by the way. I like that yeah. version, <laughs> the yeah. first one. And mm-hmm. I I think it's also like, it's isolating too. If people say that I could never do what you do because it's just one more way of separating yourselves. Like you're in this realm, I'm in this other realm. I yes. honestly don't get it. Right. You're the superhuman breed that I don't relate with. And absolutely, you know, all of it. And totally everyone, has, angry. everyone has struggled. So when you relate on the, I know you're struggling and it's really hard, but you can do this. Like, that's relatable on every level every yeah. struggle someone goes through. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So on to the next, the next confession. Here we go. What happens when it stops being cute? Let's dig into that one. Ooh, digging into that one. Okay. <laughs> so this came from a time where we were going through the IEP, the dreaded IEP Mm. um, for Emory. And we didn't know if we were going to do preschool with her. And we ended up not doing public preschool, but we we were going to do it anyway. So we just got the IEP ready in case we did decide to do preschool. Mm. During this period of time, I was meeting with her possible teachers. We were meeting with her case manager and we were going through the IEP process. Not fun, by the way. Um, You know, you're bombarded with these tests and everything telling you what your child can't do and how they don't do this or that and they're going to need extra help here. And you're meeting with these people that are potentially going to have your child in the classroom. And everybody just kept saying, oh, she is just so cute. She is Mm. just so adorable. Look at how tiny she is. And it was great. And I'm so glad that they thought she was adorable because she is. She (laughs) is like the most adorable person ever. But it got me thinking, what is their reaction going to be when she doesn't have that tiny little kid adorableness that they're relying on for her to be cute? Does that make sense? Yeah. It felt like that was the only thing they were noticing. And with age and with changes, She's obviously going to get older. She's obviously going to change. And that tiny little adorable child is going to start having noticeable differences that people Mm. are going to see even more. Because even now, you know, she has a G-tube and she wears braces and those can Mm. kind of just slide under the radar because she's just tiny and everybody can hold her. And, um, Mm -hmm. but 
as they grow and as kids become more aware, it just scared me to think about her future in education. And I, you hear all the stories about kids getting bullied and about teachers, you know, being mean to the kids. So this came out of a very raw, very real time with me because I was facing that reality head on with all of this talk about preschool and grade school and her IEP and being in special education and what kind of support she was going to need, who was going to be in her classroom. And it Mm. just, it just got me thinking, what is people's reaction going to be when all of these changes are going to happen? And that is going to be my reality and her reality. What happens when that comes? And that was a very vulnerable post for me. That was um, probably one of my most vulnerable posts because it was during that just exact time where I was facing everything head on. And it was scary. And it still is. It's not something that I can just erase um, and not think about. So that's where that post came from. Yeah, and I think that was one of those confessions. You said the thing that people didn't dare think of or dwell on because it is so it's so painful to picture society not appreciating our children the way we do. Right. Um and you know, obviously we love them so much and you know, Emery will always be so cute to you, but mm-hmm. there is a time where like the age will I think you said this in your post, but the roads will become more and more. Oh, how do you say that? The differences the will path. become. Yeah. Like her path is, it's kind of like whenever you as a mother have a child with a medically complex or disability, your paths just kind of go separate ways because mm-hmm. you feel this isolation that your path is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and her path is always going to be different because of her reality. And Mm -hmm. she's always going to be going at the beat of her own drum. And to me, obviously I am 100% okay with that, Mm -hmm. but to society, you need to fit in. You need to do things like everybody else, or you're going to be looked at as just, I don't know. It's, it's just, scary to think about because if you don't do things the same way as everybody else you're not accepted yeah and even if you try to do the same I mean like I don't know if you've experienced this but for me like growing up you know in middle school and stuff when you feel insecure Mm -hmm. and it's like I didn't have any like physical or emotional or mental differences that were huge and separated me from my peers I still felt like I didn't belong and yeah less than and so to imagine all of these things you know piled on is um I don't like it it's one of those deep dark places that yes it's really painful to go to and I'm I'm sure that is the case for most parents listening to yes it is a painful place I decided to write about it because I again wanted people to know that it was okay to struggle with these feelings even though this one was and is a very difficult thing to think about. Um, 
And I feel like in order to keep going and in order to process through things, we do have to acknowledge what is going on. And I had the choice to bury this deep down inside and deal with it later (laughs) or just get it out and try to help somebody else in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. That vulnerability is everything. And especially I think in our realm and world of medically complex parents, because there are so many people in this similar situation where um, no one in their immediate circle understands And I think opening up like that can be so healing. And that connection that comes from that vulnerability is everything. It is. It definitely is. So on that note, the last confession Mm -hmm. um, is I wish your pity were replaced with empathy. Yes. Oh, man, this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So every time we would be out with Emery and maybe we would be doing a G tube feed or she would have her walker and she's walking, um, using her walker. There would be the people that are like, Oh, she's, she's so cute. And they'd wave at her and that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Then there would be people who just stared and you could see in their eyes, the sadness. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Another thing that we encountered very often was anytime people would see us out and about and ask about Emory, or maybe it was, um, you know, somebody at church and ask what's going on with Emory because they would kind of know something was happening or anyways, what we got a lot of was, oh, I'm so sorry. And hearing that oh, I'm so sorry, it does not validate any of the amazing things that our kids bring to the table. It passes right over all of the things that we learn and all of the beautiful, amazing things that these kids have going for them. Um, And it just felt knowing that people were sorry for us, knowing that people saw our lives as less than a lot of Mm -hmm. the times because of her disabilities. It made me sad because in our reality, our life is enriched because of Emory and she brings so many things to the table that not, not even I could bring to the table. Mm. I mean, she is just amazing and Mm. difference, having a difference can be so beautiful, but people don't see that. They only see the struggle and they only see the hard time and the differences. And that is where I wanted to scream every time somebody would say they were sorry because you don't need to be sorry for me because mm-hmm. my life is amazing because of Emory. Yeah. Um, you don't need to be sorry for her because she is 
the happiest child. And Mm -hmm. does she struggle? Absolutely. Does she have challenges? Absolutely. But she overcomes and she gets through them and she radiates this joy that is contagious. And Mm -hmm. just to see the parts that people see as sad, it just made me feel like like a mama bear. I just mm-hmm. wanted to scream <laughs> that she's amazing and there's nothing yeah. to be sorry for. Yeah. Um, which is where this post was born. So that's yeah. that's the reasoning behind it. Um, having empathy is completely different than saying, oh, I'm so sorry. You can have empathy for the struggles that we go through, but be happy that we have a child who's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, you can look at us in a way that says, you know what? I appreciate your differences Mm -hmm. rather than, oh man, your differences are so hard to deal with. And just seeing, seeing that in someone's eyes so much different than having the empathy that we would shoot for. (laughs) Yeah. I think the pity, and the I'm so sorry, like you said, it just it overlooks their humanity and like mm-hmm. the fact that they're a person. Yes. And why would you tell me I'm so sorry that like you're I mean, I know they're not trying to say I'm sorry you're their mom, but it kind of feels that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like I would hate for them to hear you saying that, you know, that yes. that you're sorry that, you know, I'm Kimball's mom and that and thinking of all the wonderful things that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And just by merit of being human too, I mean, right. they have so much worth. And I think, you know, I was I was thinking about um, in the first year, especially when everything was just one thing after another. And I would tell people, and and there would be a lot of the "I'm so sorry"s, mm-hmm. and they kind of felt crushing at the time too. It's just not very encouraging to hear that. And I just, I think I felt like I was almost drowning in all the pity. Like they were like yes. smushing me down and, and everything felt darker and darker. It was like, oh, it is hard, huh? And I kind of was focusing on all the negativity of it all. And obviously like there's that line of of sitting in it and processing it, not just pushing it down, but it really Absolutely. accentuated it. And like, man, my life must be so bad. Mm-hmm. That's how everyone reacts to my life. I'm so sorry. Right. So pity, it looks at someone and says, oh, I'm sorry for you and goes off and they Mm. do their own thing. Empathy comes in and sits down with you in your struggle Mm -hmm. and says, I know this is hard, but I'm right here with you. And we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. And that difference is huge. When people see you out and about and they like with Emery and we're doing a G-tube feed and they just look at us with pity. The one that has empathy comes over with their child and says, oh, honey, look, this is how she eats. And even though it's different, it's still okay. And mm-hmm. let's ask, what's her name? What does she like to do? It, mm-hmm. it, there's such a difference. And yeah. 
people need to realize that pity helps no one. Empathy helps both people. Yes. Oh, I love that. As you're talking about that image of someone coming up and and chatting with you guys mm-hmm. and educating their children, I think it's it kind of goes back to also the what happens when it stops being cute of like this phobia that our culture sometimes has of differences and things that are something they've never seen maybe. Yes. Um of like, oh my gosh, that child's on oxygen. That is right. horrendous. That is so sad. Let's run away. Let's hush our child that's asking us questions. Mm-hmm. And the difference between that and acknowledging the difference and talking about it and talking mm-hmm. to her also because she's human, like right. acknowledging her as a person Absolutely. too. I think mm-hmm. that's just such a beautiful way to make the world more accepting and celebrating those differences and the diversity. Mm -hmm. And empathy sees those differences, like you said, and it values those differences. Pity just sees the differences and moves on and sees it as less than, which is not at all what we want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I think I personally like is maybe I'm picturing like, okay, if I told someone, oh, Kimball's in the hospital, this happened it's been really hard. Like, what would I want them to say rather than I'm sorry is maybe like, oh, tell me more about that. Or how have you been doing? And kind of more like the the investment in truly caring about how the person's doing rather than the I'm so sorry that may be more of a um, a cop out in some ways. I was about to say that exact same thing. It (sighs) feels like a cop out because Mm -hmm. people just say, I'm sorry, and then leave. And you're just Mm -hmm. left there like, okay, now what? Yeah. And you're exactly right. I would rather someone say, that sounds really hard. How can I help? Or that Mm -hmm. sounds really hard. Tell me more. Even just listening for five minutes and hearing, you know, actually listening to what's going on Mm -hmm. so much better than just giving somebody your pity and walking away. Yeah. You know, I I can't, I can't uh, stop thinking about this, this one memory in particular that reminds me so much of that. Um, there was this woman, she was my friend. We weren't even that close, but we were in the halls at church and Kimball was in the hospital again with a, an emergency hospitalization, but we were, we snuck away to church with our daughter mm-hmm. and I felt terrible. I was like, life is just the worst. Like, yeah. I hate this. This is the worst. Just picturing him in the hospital and be like, well, after this, we'll go visit him. And he's just so miserable. And um, I was barely holding it together. Mm-hmm. And then this this lady, she came up to me and she was like, oh, how are things? And I looked at her and I was like, I can't hold it. And I just started like crying. Oh. And she was like, things, they're hard, huh? And I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. And then yeah. she gave me a hug and then gave me this knowing look. And then we parted ways. And I've thought about that so many times, like how meaningful that was because she didn't even have to say much or do much, yeah. but she was feeling it. Like her eyes kind of welled up. We just had like this connection where I didn't have to say, I couldn't say anything, but she right. knew things were so hard and she acknowledged it. And I could see in her eyes, I mean, she didn't have any special needs children, but she, I could see in her eyes, like I've struggled too. Yeah. And it was just, it was this wonderful moment of so much empathy mm-hmm. and I appreciated it so much. That's the thing with empathy you don't really have to do much at all. You Mm -hmm. can sit there and listen and it's Mm -hmm. so much better than 
giving someone the I'm sorry and walking Mm -hmm. off, just listening, just having that. I'm not struggling the same exact way as you, but I have struggled and I'm here. Um, So much different. Yes. And then feeling that they really care. Like I can tell they care. Mm -hmm. It is so meaningful. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anna. I am so excited about our conversation and the vulnerability. And I'm sure there's so many parents who have been able to really relate to the things that you've said. And I'm so grateful for um, the way that you've opened up and shared your, your feelings and your thoughts. Well, that makes me so excited. Um, I really do hope that this gives somebody just a little comfort in knowing that you aren't alone. And um, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. If you want to follow Anna and or me on Instagram, check out the show notes. As always, you can also check out the website to see adorable photos of Anna, Justin, and Emery, and to answer this month's question. Coming up next week, we have episode 47 with Katie Taylor, a child life specialist, as we talk the ins and outs of siblings, both existing and future siblings, from a professional standpoint. Don't miss it. See you then.